Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Neil's going to come and speak. I spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago from the first half of a, a hymn from Colossians. And uh, Neil's going to come and uh, speak from the next bit of that. So just going to pray for you, Neil. Lord, we thank you that uh, you place your word in our hearts and you've also given us your word physically that we can read and understand more about you, that we can be attracted closer to you and understand your plan for our lives. And so as Neil speaks now. We pray that he'll be able to um, speak clearly, that we would understand more of your word and we'd understand more of you, who you are and the effect of your spirit in our lives uh, as we live them every day. Amen. better? Yeah? That's better? Good. So, good morning. Welcome. Uh, It's great to be with you this morning and it's great to be preaching from Colossians again. I sound very loud. Okay, don't worry. So, I guess my title for my talk this morning is God's Way of Reconciliation. And the passage that I'm looking at is in Colossians 1, verses 19 to 22. So we're just going to read those to start with. And uh, it says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. But now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Hallelujah. What a great passage. And um, I'm going to also be looking in the Old Testament today, which is going to be a bit different. So we're going to look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. So in your Old Testament, if you just go up from Psalms a little bit in the middle, you go through Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and you get to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet who was speaking to Israel and Judah. Uh, They were in captivity in Babylon, and he was speaking into them because their situation seemed completely desperate and they couldn't see what God was doing. And uh, so, Ezekiel 37, this is what he prophesies over the people of Israel. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. 
He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me and suddenly as I spoke there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones and the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return to your own land. And you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So that's the, from Ezekiel. How on earth do those two things fit together? Well, I hope that later on we'll, you'll see how they all fit together. But we're going to stay in Colossians just for a minute. Keep that in your mind, the, the Valley of Dry Bones. We're going to come to that a bit later. So I just want to quickly recap over the past couple of weeks. Peter brought that fantastic word to us about God and creation. He existed before time began, supreme over all creation. He created everything in the heavens and earth. And that's really important for us to remember that God and Jesus are creative beings. God is a creator. He created the heavens and the earth. He is creator God. And Peter showed us the wonders of the universe and made us think about how big this God is. And we need to keep that into our minds as we look at today's verses. And then Andrew last week came and spoke to us about Christ being the head of the church. Uh, he, was, he didn't realise we were actually in Colossians, but the very next part is verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. 
And uh, that's so important. He is king over all who rise from the dead. That's really important. I want you to keep those things in your mind as we come to, to today's verses, which are about reconciliation. This is God's great plan to reconcile man to God. And, and why is it a problem? Well, it's a problem because man cannot reconcile himself to God by himself. The two things are irreconcilable. That's what reconcile means, to make things compatible with each other that are incompatible. We are irreconciled to God, but Jesus comes and he wants to reconcile the two things. What is it that causes the problem between us and God? It is sin. God is holy. He cannot abide sin. He cannot have us in his presence as sinners. We have to somehow get rid of this sin problem that we all have in our lives, this DNA that we have inherited, if you like, this sin DNA that we inherited right from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and it's come down through every single generation. This sin DNA is in me, it's in you, it's in everyone. You're not born good. You're not even born neutral. You are born a sinner. No one tells you how to do things wrong. You do them naturally. That is your natural self. And if you have children, you will know that truth more than I can tell you. Because children do things wrong out of their nature, which is sinful. And that is our problem, that somehow this nature that we have, this sinful nature, needs to be sorted out so we can be reconciled to this holy God. This is what Jesus does. This is the great truth of Scripture, that Jesus comes and he reconciles the two parties that are irreconcilable. He comes and he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to nail it to the cross forever so that you can be reconciled to God. You can build relationship with God again, just as he had in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning with Adam and Eve before sin came into the world. And that's what Jesus does. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. That's freedom for me, that's freedom for you, that's freedom for everyone. That's what Jesus did. He came, but there is only one God and there is only one mediator and it's Jesus. John 14 verse 16 says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's clear. The way to God is through Jesus and Jesus only. Remember, right at the beginning when we were looking at the Colossian church in the very first talk, they had been taught false things about Jesus. That it was Jesus plus something else that would get you your salvation. Jesus plus works or Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus worshipping angels. Jesus plus pain and anguish and you paying somehow for your sins and Paul was trying to tell them it, it's got nothing to do with those things it is Jesus only 
That's enough. You don't need anything else. Jesus pays the price. You are free. He has paid your bill. It says paid on it. That's it. You are justified, the word in the Bible is. So when the, it's, a, it's a word out of the courts. You come to the court and they say, this is what is against you. And the judge looks at it and he says, no. It says paid. Your debt has been paid. You are justified. That's what Jesus does. He comes and he pays your debt, which was yours. Your sin was nailed to the cross once and forever. You see, it's no good us thinking that all roads lead to God. This kind of idea of universal faith. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, well, all roads lead to God. And I'm like, no, hold on a minute. Where would you get that teaching from? All roads do not lead to God the Father. There is only one road. It's through Jesus Christ. That's what he says. It may lead to another God, and it may lead to another God, but it doesn't lead to God the Father because the Bible says there is one God and one mediator, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. You need to meet with Jesus so he can sort out this sin problem once and for all. It's not true that all roads lead to God. The only road that leads to God is through Jesus Christ. And you have to come to him. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's eyes by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Are you looking for peace in the world today? There is so little peace in our world, isn't there? Jesus says, I have come to bring peace. Verse 20, he made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Hallelujah. What a salvation we have. Jesus has to save us and bring peace to our relationship with God by his blood on the cross, paying for our sins. When John first saw Jesus, what was it he said? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's our Jesus. So what is our position before this? Verse 21, he says, you were far away from God. You were actually his enemies, separated by your evil thoughts and actions, or sin, separated from God. This is what we're talking about. But now... Verse 22, he has reconciled you to himself through Christ Jesus. And now you stand holy, holy and blameless as you stand before him. You don't stand holy and blameless because of what you've done or what you're going to do or the potential that God sees in you. No, no, no. You stand blameless because of the blood of Jesus. You stand blameless because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice who never sinned, who didn't have the sin DNA in his body because he was born of a virgin. And if you look in Matthew, it says the Holy Spirit came and conceived the baby in Mary. So Jesus didn't have the sin DNA that all of us have. Don't any, listen to anyone who says the virgin birth isn't important. It is absolutely important. Because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was holy. He didn't have that sin DNA in him that had to be dealt with. He came and dealt with it for all of us. Hallelujah. 
Ephesians chapter 2, my favourite chapter in the Bible, says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were separated from God. You were without hope. By nature, children of disobedience. That's your position. That's how you were. If you're dead, there's absolutely nothing you can do to make yourself any better or do work for God to somehow please him. Why? Because you're dead. But God who is rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is fundamental truth that we have to get into our hearts and minds. By grace you have been saved. If you're dead... You need a miracle. What is the miracle that you need? The miracle you need is what we've just read about in Ezekiel chapter 37. It is the breath of God comes into you. That's what God does. He breathes life into you. When you come to him and you say, I want to become a Christian, what happens? The breath of God comes into you by the power of the Holy Spirit and suddenly he brings life to you. He takes that dead part of you that has no concept of God, no idea of God, you don't know what it's all about, and he suddenly brings that to life. The breath of God. You see, the skeletons could stand there and they had muscle, they had skin and everything. They could stand there, no problem. But they had no breath in them. What has to happen is, oh, call upon the four winds, to come and breathe life into them. Because the breath of God always brings life. It always brings life. Remember, he is creator God. That's what we said right at the beginning. He has been since the beginning of time, which is what Peter spoke to us about. It's what he has always done. Genesis 1 verse 7 says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the earth. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. You see, he formed man. He stood. But until the breath of life comes into him, he's nothing. And right at the beginning of creation, the breath of God comes and breathes into Adam and suddenly he is alive. And that is what God does for us. In the New Testament, when Jesus was walking the earth, Lazarus died and he'd been dead for four days. And Jesus didn't go straight away and heal him or pray for him. He waited And Martha, it says in the Bible, if only you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And that's true in one sense, but what Martha hadn't realised is that Jesus has the power over death, that he can speak the breath of life. So after four days, when he comes to Lazarus, he's been in the grave for four days, 
And in those times, the, uh, the Israel believed, the Jews believed, that after three days your soul departed the body and went up to heaven. So not only has he died, but also after three days, his soul has gone to heaven. So fourth day, there's nothing that can be done. And that's what Martha comes to Jesus. You're too late, she says. But Jesus comes and he says, he speaks to Lazarus, come forth out of the grave. What is happening? He is speaking the breath of God into Lazarus and he comes forth and he lives and he lives again. Hallelujah, what an amazing transformation. Death to life. Jesus died. Good Friday, he goes into the tomb Easter Sunday, he is raised from the dead. He has the power over death. What happens in the tomb? The breath of God comes and breathes into Jesus' dead body and brings life. And he is raised from the dead. Hallelujah. He is alive. He has the power over death and he has the power over hell. As soon as Jesus comes out of the grave in John 20, 21, he met the disciples and he, he said, it says in John 20, 21, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The breath of God brings life. Here you have Peter denying Christ three times. Jesus comes and fills him with the Holy Spirit. In Acts, he is preaching and 3,000 get saved. What is the difference? The difference is that God has breathed on him by the power of his Holy Spirit and changed him. He's brought life into that man. That is what Jesus does for you and for I. When you become a Christian, that is what is happening. God is breathing his life, giving breath into you. It's not a mental change. You don't suddenly change something in your mind and think, ah, I'm going to become a Christian. I've decided, I've worked it all out in my mind. No. It's a change in your heart where God comes and he breathes life into you. It's an amazing transformation. We should be so thankful that God has saved us this morning, that God has breathed on us and breathed new life into us. It's an amazing transformation. Death into life. Darkness into light. This is what God does. This is what Jesus does. You are far away from God. You had no hope you, you were without God. You were going nowhere and God comes and changes everything by his very breath. The Hebrew word for this breath is ruach. It's a wind, a life force that sustains all living things, human beings included. And God breathes on us and breathes life. Just as he did in Ezekiel chapter 37, as those skeletons were breathed on by the breath of God, they came and life was in them. He's done that for me, he's done that for you, he's done it for Peter and Phil and Sarah. He's done it for all of you that are listening this morning. If you're saved, if you're a Christian this morning, he has breathed the breath of life into you. Hallelujah. This amazing transformation has happened to each and every one of us. If you're on the Alpha course at the moment, that is what God is going to do. He is going to breathe his life into you and bring life into your heart and your soul. The very breath of God is going to change you. You may feel hopeless. 
You may feel all over the place. You may feel you have no peace in your life. These are the things that God changes. He brings hope. He brings peace. He reconciles you to God. That relationship is started. He breathes life onto you if you're on the Alpha Course. He brings life onto you if you're in community group. He brings life onto you if you're at home, at work, at school. He brings life. And you have the very breath of God that has changed you for eternity. Not just for the next five minutes, not just for the next couple of years, for eternity. One day, you will go to heaven and meet him. And we will understand the power that God's breath has. His power brings life. Nothing is impossible with God. No one is too far away. No one is so dead that they cannot be saved. We're all in the same position. You can't be more dead than somebody else. You are dead. And sometimes in our minds we think, oh, you know, that person is just a little way away from becoming a Christian. But this other person, they're miles away. God doesn't look at it like that. When God's breath comes, it doesn't matter how far away you are, you are going to get saved. Look at Saul, or Paul. Saul persecuting the church, killing Christians for fun. God decided he was the man to be saved, and he was saved, he was changed, he was taken out of death into life. The very breath of God was breathed into him. And here we are, 2,020 years later, and we're preaching the words that Paul has said. This man who persecuted the church, who the Christian church probably weren't even praying for him because he was so far away from God. How's he ever going to get saved? Are there people like that in your heart and mind that you just think they're so far away I can't ever see them getting saved? I want to encourage you to pray for those people. Pray for the impossible ones that you think it's just never going to happen because God is the God of the impossible. He is the God that breathes life into skeletons and brings the bones together and the flesh and the muscle. He's the God that breathes life. And when he does, there is no stopping him. Hallelujah. There is no stopping him. He is the God of the impossible. I want to encourage you this morning just to thank God for your salvation. Thank God that he came and he breathed life into you. Pray for those that you want to get saved, whether you've given up There are people that we give up on. We pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. But carry on praying. People can get saved after years and years of people praying. When God comes, he changes everything. Hallelujah. It's just such a joy to preach the gospel this morning and to thank God for his goodness. And um, I just want to really pray that God speaks to you this morning and just stays with you this week. Carry on praying for people who you feel are far away.